0: Today's podcast is brought to you by the friends and
1: family of Voice in the Wilderness Bible Church.
0: Bible, and uh, main readings will be from Titus 1 and Luke 10. But uh, first, I think we'll do some worship music. Uh, again, uh, hospitality is the focus of today's message. I'm going to open with a story here. Uh, there's a story of a pastor who made it a habit of being hospitable and bidding his visiting his church members on Saturday mornings. Came upon one house where it was obvious somebody was home. Lights were on and the car sat in the driveway. So the pastor went up to the door, knocked several times, but no one came to the door. Finally, the pastor took out his card and wrote Revelations 3.20 on the back and stuck it to the door. Now, Revelations 3.20 reads, Behold, I stand at the door, and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. Next day at the Sunday service, a uh, card turned up in the collection plate, and it was passed along to the pastor. Right below what the pastor wrote was uh, another scripture reference from Genesis 3.10, saying, which reads, uh, I heard your voice while I was in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Sorry. Anyways, uh, I'm going to open now with the Bible reading, New King James Version, Titus 1, 5 through 16. For the reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable. There's a key word. A lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped to subvert the whole household, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being an abominant, but abominable disobedient, and disqualified to do every good work. Now, that was uh, Titus called, uh, Titus and Timothy are known as the pastoral epistles, letters. Um, Now, I don't want you to think that I'm uh, preaching this to elders and bishops another word for bishop is overseers uh it, this this message should be for every christian uh in verse 8 uh paul's writing about qualifications for for uh elders and bishops and notice in verse 7 uh paul is paul is the author anyways uh In verse 7, he's giving a lot of the, do not do this and don't do that. But he says, be hospitable. Again, the key word. A lover of what is good, sober-minded, just and holy, self-controlled. Notice that uh, Paul begins his discussion with the positive qualifications that an elder should have. In verse 7, Paul uses a lot of the nots. Things that elders should not be. Now, Paul gets into what an elder should be. and Today, we're going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, focusing on that first phrase of that passage where Paul states that an elder is to be hospitable. Now, uh, again, I do not want you to think that I'm speaking just just two elders or bishops. You know the. The big wigs in the church, I guess. This should be part of our Christian doctrine, what we do. I talk a lot about mirrors, you know, looking into the mirror. And as we become more Christ like, we look in the mirror and we begin to see Christ and not our natural carnal self. So it's every Christian should uh, apply this hospitality into their daily lives. The word uh, hospita- hospitable, I always say "hospital." The word "hospitable" comes from the Greek word philoxenia. and I know we've talked about a little about love and "philo," "phila," uh, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. So "philo" means loving, and "zenos," now. That could be a new one uh, to somebody. It uh, actually means strange or stranger. So what is, Paul is saying that elders are to be lovers of strangers and and I suppose you can say lovers of the strange. Well, I'm a bit strange, but see, I'm not a stranger. I can be a bit strange at times. <laughs> That's either near there, here or there. Now, as with the uh, negatives we saw in verse seven, positive positive things begin in verse eight are also traits that all Christians are to have. Remember, I said this is not to the bigwigs of a church or you know, of an organ this is for everybody. If you look at uh first Peter four or nine. We are told, to uh, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. The same Greek word, philoxenia as in Titus, that's in uh, Peter 4.9. So we are called to be lovers of strangers and hospitable to all. One thing every Christian should learn or should know is scripture interprets scripture and uh if you have if you're reading a verse and you have trouble with it go to another verse that's speaking of the same situation or circumstance and it helps helps you understand more fully uh, so uh, we'll we'll be looking at other portions of the bible too that uh, that deal with uh the same subject hospitality so we study what exactly it means in verse eight when he commands that elders be hospital hospitable. We're going going to look at a passage that will help understand. And I know this is a very familiar passage, that uh, or parable, even <clears throat> if you will. Uh, that uh, I think most of us learned in Sunday school. This, you know, we get the point. So I'm gonna read from Luke 10, verse 25 to 37. <clears throat> it's uh <clears throat> excuse me, the parable of the parable of the good Samaritan, starting at verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will you will live. But he but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, And who just is my neighbor? And Jesus answered back and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came, looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. A key word there, compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to an innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these Three, do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves and he said he who showed mercy to him then Jesus said to him go and do likewise now as I read this passage we're going to get into this a little bit um teacher you know rabbi uh, talking to Jesus you know what shall I do to inherit eternal life and uh, he answered you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul strength and with your mind your neighbor as yourself and the the lawyer answered greatly uh, but if we I want to take a closer look at this parable here um, and we can learn just what Paul had in mind and Peter as well in, in 1 Peter 4.9 uh, when they tell us we need to be hospitable and lovers of strangers we're going to look at this passage in two different ways uh, first the personal level and what it should mean to you and me personally like I said this is not directed towards elders, but to all people who profess their name in Christ. Um, well, uh, the first group of people I want to look at are the thieves. Uh, well, they, they, what they say was a victim to be exploited. In verse 30, we read that the man fell among the thieves. Now, the road that they went down to, from Jerusalem to Jericho is about 20 miles or so. And it was a pretty dangerous road because of the surrounding wilderness. If you've ever seen pictures of it, it's what we call desert, mountainous. Um, it gave the robbers plenty of places to hide. And back, the road was uh, known as uh, the Way of the Blood because of what, what the robbers, you know, they lay in wait there. So these robbers are just looking for victims. Looking for somebody to take advantage of, and he, and you see, they did not see this man as a creation of God. They did not care about him personally. They uh, wanted what they wanted was uh, was what the man had, mainly his money and his goods and anything else of value he had on his person. And they simply, they simply. Uh, just exploited this person for their own gain and you know uh, in today's world there's a lot of robbers out there and I'm not referring to those who lie in wait and would beat you up for your wallet or purse you know mugging you know this uh, there's a story here that I got that uh, that kind of implies what I'm saying. Uh, There's a certain youth evangelist and he was scheduled to speak to a large group of young people and he was running late. He pulled into a full service gas station for gas because he's running a little low on gas. This little guy comes from inside the attendant. He wasn't a pretty man. He had an old dirty hat on and his hair was all greasy. His face was covered with acne. His pants were so large, he had to keep pulling them up. Uh, the man spoke poorly and slowly. It seemed to take forever for him to pump gas. While well, the youth evangelist gave him his credit card. And about a few minutes later, it took him several minutes, uh, the man came back and said, we don't accept this card. So the youth evangelist gave him another card, and after several more minutes, he came back and stated that one didn't work either. Finally, in desperation, the youth evangelist asked, do you still take cash? The man took several more minutes to make change and return it. The, The youth evangelist was so mad that when he left, he spun his tires on the hose that makes, you know, that thing noise. I don't know if you guys remember back in the day. They had that hose running across the parking lot. You'd hear it run over and it'd go ding ding, and the guy would come out. Anyway, so a few blocks away, uh, the Holy Spirit began to convict the youth evangelist about his impatience and his rudeness to the attendant. Uh, He drove back to the gas station, and the little man was too scared to come back out. Finally, the youth evangelist went in and told him, I'm really sorry for the way I treated you. The man lifted up his hat and said, that's okay, Mister. Everybody treats me that way. But as a Christian, we should be. We need to be different. We should be lovers of those who are strangers, of those who are strange, not like us. And, uh, we shouldn't be like the robbers who saw the victim to exploit. We shouldn't be like that youth evangelist who, who because this guy is from a different culture and different you know different everything uh felt himself uh, you know superior to the gas station attendant we got to remember that god gave us things to use but he also gave us people to love and when we start loving things more than people we begin to use people i'll say that again we start loving things more than people we begin to use people we begin to use the people now for the gas or the youth evangelist and uh and the gas station attendant the youth evangelist was using as his excuse time and uh and his uh his i don't know what you call it is his status and using that uh gas attended as a punching bag I guess you'd say and that's kind of the philosophy of the world right now we're always looking out for number one get what we want regardless of who we step on or who we hurt next uh, people, group people I want to look at is the Levite and the priest <clears throat> what the priest and the Levites saw was a nuisance, something to be avoided. When they came across a man who had been beaten, and uh, they both crossed to the other side. Now, these are men of God, you know. man who lay on the ground was a fellow Jew, no less, you know. And uh, the road to Jericho was often traveled by religious men of the day. Levites and the priests would take turns serving at the temple in Jerusalem. Many of these guys lived in Jericho, would commute to work. They would have to serve in the temple for so many days, then return home. At any rate, these two guys couldn't be bothered by their fellow man in distress. I'm sure they had their excuses. Perhaps some of them went along these lines. I've been serving in the temple I've done my part. I've done my religious. duty. Does that sound familiar? In today's Christianity world. There are a lot of Christians who uh, feel the same way. They believe because they go to church, their duty is done. While church attendance is important for spiritual growth, it doesn't help our neighbor to learn about serving grace of God. Our religious duty doesn't stop when we walk out of the doors of the church. Or like in this case, if you're watching the video, turn the video off. Hey, I've done my part for the week. Practice just begun. Let us realize that we can never do enough to serve God. No matter how old we are, no matter how much we have done in the past, no matter what we do, we should still be hospitable to each other. Always willing to serve God more. When you're hospitable to your fellow man, you're you're doing God's work. Maybe an excuse the two priests and Levite thought was, uh, it's not my fault. Sure, we may not be to blame when something bad happens to someone. We may not be to blame when... Someone has to suffer the consequences of sin. But we are to blame if we allow them to remain in that condition when we are able to help. To let someone continue on in their sin and not let them know how how uh, let them know the wonderful grace of God seen through the cross of Jesus Christ. It's it's in itself a sin on our part. To see someone go down the road that leads to hell, then when we know what it takes to have eternal life, remain silent is just simply wrong. It may not be our fault, but does not that, that doesn't excuse us of our responsibility. There's a saying, you know, I guess, and I think of Nazi Germany when I hear this, but uh, uh, what that. Evil prevails when good men do nothing. A little side note there. Perhaps uh, Levite and the priest thought, let someone else do it. Let someone else get their hands dirty taking care of this man on the roadside. That sounds like a lot of professed, you know, people that profess Christianity in their lives today. Let someone else do it. Let someone else help with a single mom with all the kids let someone else share the gospel with the drunk that sits on the bench every day let someone else do that job i do not have the time i don't have resources and so on and so on there are far too many christians today who for one reason or another use this excuse for being hospitable to their neighbors let someone else do it you know that's that's the evangelist job that's the pastor's job you know it's not my job i i just come to church first john 3 uh 17 says uh but whoever has this world's good and see his brothers in need shuts up his heart from him how does god love how does the love of god abide in him you know if uh you shut your love out to your neighbor God's going to shut it out to you. Now we come to the hero of our story, the Samaritan. Now, a little background, just a quick touch on this. Uh, During the day, you see like a map of Israel, and up in the north is the Samaritans. And uh, they're still Jews, but they're despised by the, I guess you'd call them mainline uh, Jewish community, you know, from the south. The Samaritans are somebody to just be avoided. and uh, But the Samaritan had an opportunity to minister. What we see is in the Samaritan is the Christ-like example. And as a response to someone in need, the Samaritan <clears throat> displays the character of Christ. Demonstrates how we should respond to the needs of others. And, and he shows what Paul is talking about when he tells us all <clears throat> to be hospitable. Not just elders and bishops, but all of us. The Samaritan responds the same way Christ responded to us. Because, because we are beaten by those thieves and left for dead. as the way we were before Christ saved us. We weren't simply spiritual. We weren't simply beaten down spiritually. We were spiritually dead. Uh, Ephesians chapter two verse five says, "And he, and he made, and you, he made alive who were dead. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved." That's just saying, hey, Jesus took your sin and my sin and bore it on his own shoulders and went to the cross, died, and was ascended. And uh, that grace is an invaluable gift that we should be able to share to others. Things, uh, things come by in our lives. But they pass over on the other side of the road because, or we pass by on the other side of the road because uh, we cannot bring life, uh, you know, good works, religion, church, and so on. But none of those things make us alive. It is Christ Jesus uh, who makes us alive and God. He's the only one. And, uh, you know, I praise him every day, I try to, and that he has made me alive, one, one who was dead in sin. I'm a big sinner. But now I'm alive together with my Lord, my Savior, my King, Jesus Christ. And he can do the same for anybody, he can do the same for you. He can do it for everyone. All you need to do is take that leap of faith, now let's turn back to our verse and note the Samaritan's behavior. Percy made no excuses. He had no ulterior motives. He simply wanted to meet the need that he saw needed, that needed, that was needed. He, he saw what was needed and he'd done what he had to do. From experience, I will say this is very unlike a lot of Christians. Um, I remember witnessing in Sioux Falls, I witnessed, uh, I looked in the rear view mirror, seen a motorcycle come screaming around, he was driving off fast, of And and uh, a car happened to be turning. He, he tried to get around him, the car, Smacked into the motorcycle. The guy, you know, takes a header. And uh, I actually thought the motorcycle was going to hit the rear end of our car. But so we pull over, everybody stops, you know, on the road. It's, I don't know, 41st Street or whatever, That one of those busy streets. And uh, there, you know, I went out to help. My wife went out to help. And another guy went out and started stopping traffic. Those were pretty much, there were, I don't know, 15, 20 people standing around, you know, you know, rubbernecking, I guess you'd call it. But uh, there were only three people that were there to help, actually went to this person. Anyways, uh, but I, you know, I stand guilty of this too, as many do. Too many times we wait to uh, be asked before we are willing to do anything even though we see the need. Um, and sometimes we'll, even, even when we're being asked, we will say no. That's not how the Samaritan did it. And it wasn't what Paul had in mind when he told us to be hospitable. Paul was saying being hospitable should be a way of life, part of our personal character, just what we do you know, our second nature, I guess. Um, the Samaritan was willing to get involved on a personal level. <clears throat> and notice the following. He also had compassion. So, what would define compassion. It's uh, compassion is placing ourselves in the individual's position, seeing things from their perspective and treating them as you'd want to be treated. Were, if the circumstances were reversed. Compassion is certainly something our Lord showed when he went to the cross. It was one of his characteristics that really stood out when you read the gospel stories, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. <clears throat> I remember too, they, he fed the 5,000, you know, because he saw the multitudes were hungry. And, oh, there's many examples. Christ is full of compassion. So when we show compassion towards others, we treat, we treat others the way God treats us. Where would it be if God had not made us alive in Jesus Christ? We, where would be be if God had not sent his son to die on the cross and rise again to conquer death? He'd be in a pretty bad hurt locker there. <clears throat> he could have made some excuses why I should avoid contact with the wounded event, but he did not. Being hospitable means we overlook the obstacles, it means we don't see things that stand in our way, but we see the opportunities. To serve, I believe that many of us fail to see see the needs. We fail to see the opportunities because we fail to make, make contact. We fail to open our eyes to what's going on around us, where we just blatantly shut them. We, you know, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. The Samaritan also show, showed care. Passion and making contact aren't always quite enough. We must also, we must care for others, and we must minister to them. Christ had compassion towards us, and still came down from heaven to make contact. They sit, never minister never ministered to us by dying on the cross. Compassion and contact would have uh, done us no good. The Samaritan cleansed the wound of the hurt man. He ministered to this man in a tangible way. We're called to do the same. To have compassion is uh, not enough. To make contacts not enough. We must minister in a real meaningful way. Finally, we see uh, that there's a cost involved in the action of the Samaritan cost the Samaritan two days pay. The denarii is kind of considered a day's pay. The most I think uh, I did a little research on this a couple weeks back and I think the denarii is what would be equivalent in today's pay about fifteen bucks. Cost him so say thirty bucks in today's money. Back then that's a lot of money. It cost him his time cost him his effort and if he'd been seen helping a jew remember i said uh, the there's a big cultural rift between samaritans and the jews if he'd been seen it would have cost him his reputation our ministry to others must also cost us something It will cost us our time sometimes our finances um, it will cost us our effort. If it costs us nothing, then, uh, then then what it was was nothing. And being hospitable, we need to count the cost, realizing that it will cost me something, and we must be willing to pay that cost. That's, this too is characteristic of Christ. While the salvation of God cost us nothing, it costs Christ nothing very much the cost in his life. Because God's holy and we're not. To have fellowship with us A price must be paid for sin. Remember he was sinless. He was perfect. We are not. That's a price we could not pay. We couldn't pay it with our good works. We couldn't pay it by going to church once a week for an hour. We couldn't couldn't pay it by being part of some denomination. Nothing we could do ever could pay for the price of sin. It was the grace that He gave us. But there's one who can pay that price for sin and did the Son of God, Jesus. So Jesus left the glories of heaven, became a man, being born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died nailed to the cross and rose again and that's how much it costs Christ salvation is free but it's not cheap you can uh, read uh, John chapter 1 verse 1 and 14 that explains that so uh, I ask will you accept the provision God has made for you will you accept the price paid to God that you could never pay trust in Jesus today believe him Believe in him as your Lord and Savior and trust in him to cleanse you of your sin. Trust in him for your eternal life. And when you know him as a Lord and Savior, then you can begin to live like him, being hospitable, loving strangers, and the strange. I'll close with a prayer. Father, we thank you today for uh, allowing us to Come together, even in this COVID pandemic, uh, we're able to still preach Your Word, listen to Your Word. We're able to open open the Bible and read Your Word. Uh, we thank you for all this. We we ask that you help us become more like you. More, we ask you to op- open our eyes to those. Who are in need, and to those those who are downtrodden and need a hand up, we ask you give us these uh, opportunities to see it. We to see. We ask you that uh, you give us the strength and character to uh, to actually follow through and be more like. Jesus, showing compassion, care, and hospitality. In your name we pray. Amen. See you next
1: week.